They want all of this to be tied to a QR code that, you know, they would enable you to be tracked and traced. And my concern, you know, I hold in my hand an old school vaccine passport. It has a little form in there to be filled out. This is part of Annex 6 and the existing international health regulations. And what they want more than anything is to take that and greatly expand it into a digital system so that you know each country could just make requirements which would essentially turn this into a digital prison planet. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thanks so much for coming back. We really do appreciate it. That was researcher James Rogowski, who's moving heaven and earth to inform the American people about the World Health Organization and their four tracks to enslave us. We must stop them, dead in their tracks, if we're going to survive. Hey, friends, welcome back. Thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for clicking play and tuning in to another edition of SGT Report, guys. We're really happy to have you all back. And I'm also happy to have back on the line James Rogowski. You guys know his substack, jamesrogowski.substack.com. It's all about stopping the World Health Organization and the global agenda Today, all four tracks, guys, we have to defeat these people before they bring us to our knees. And believe me, they have Sleepy Creepy Joe on their side. More about that in just one minute. Let me welcome my guest. James, welcome back. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you very much for having me. Um, you know, the time keeps moving forward and deadlines are fast approaching. So hopefully we'll um, have a chance to let people know uh, what to expect in the near future. Well, amen. I know that you are constantly over the target in trying to warn Americans and people around the world. I mean, because this is a global agenda, a United Nations World Health Organization, two-tiered agenda, and we have to stop the negotiations. We've got a great graphic here from James, guys. Track one, track two, track three, and track four. We need to defeat all four tracks if we want to live like Americans in America and have access to energy, not just clean energy, any energy at all, frankly. So more on that in just one second. James, if you don't mind, I want to start with a screen share here because I want to set the stage First of all, we'll play this clip from Kamala Harris, right, who is now famously on record multiple times saying, we just need to reduce population so our kids can enjoy clean air and clean water. Listen to this. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. James, imagine how clean the air and the water would be if they just innovated to zero and got rid of all of us, except for the elite, of course. Well, you know, um, obviously a slip of the tongue, but um, not far from the truth. And, you know, sometimes the, uh, the the silent part comes out aloud. And so one of the things that I've been focused on, uh, or actually I really should say two things, um, people seem to respond to deadlines And so we have a number of deadlines that are right on the edge of the horizon. They're coming up very quickly. And so hopefully we'll go over that. Um, And, you know, deadline, uh, you you could take that a couple of different ways, as she's implying. Um, But also the, the issue at hand really is the secret nature of what is going on with all of these negotiations. The the United Nations officially and, and the WHO as a subsidiary have a process that most people are completely unaware of. It's called the silence procedure. And what that is, is they negotiate documents 
And then they share them, you know, in back channels quietly with various officials, UN ambassadors or delegates to the WHO. And they have a period of time where, you know, they're put in the know with what these documents are. And as long as everyone just simply remains silent, it is accepted as being that you consent. Well, the last thing in the world I'm going to be is silent when they're doing something to which I have not given my consent. And I encourage everyone else on the planet, everyone watching this, to speak up if you oppose what we're going to be talking about. And so they're currently, we are right smack in the middle of the United Nations for the last year, last September 2022. They scheduled a meeting for September 20th, 2023, just about a month away from when we're doing this um, recording. And and so there is a document that has been prepared. It has been shared with all of the delegations of the United Nations, and they have every intention of adopting uh, this political um, declaration for pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response on September 20th, 2023. Now, you know, let me ask everyone in the listening audience, did you get the memo? Have you read that document? Are you in agreement with whatever the heck it is that they're planning on uh, agreeing to on September 20th? Has Have you heard it on the mainstream media? Have you seen it in Congress? Um, do you have the foggiest idea of what I'm talking about? This is the problem. They're doing these things in secret, And then they say, well, you know, you didn't say anything. Kind of like at a wedding, you know, when they say, speak now or forever, hold your peace, if anyone, you know, should be opposed to the marriage. Well, if anyone is opposed to your nation, wherever you may be on the planet, agreeing to this political declaration about pandemic prevention, preparedness and response, now, right now, is the time, it's always a good time to speak up and, and give your opinion. Now, what is in that document? Well, it is, uh, the early drafts of it are available. The WHO's budget is, in 2022, they spent $3.8 billion, mostly on salaries, but you know, on whatever it is they were doing. The United Nations is proposing that the WHO needs $30 billion dollars for pandemic prevention. Now, that to me just sounds like an opening for massive corruption, crony capitalism, and more of the same by an order of magnitude than what we got over the past three to four years. And I am um, opposing it with every single fiber of my being. We still have a little more than a month to, to speak up about it. And realize that, you know, as we head into the political, you know, election, or I should say selection season, ask everyone you come into contact with who's purporting to run for office, do you support this? Do you want to give, you know, $30 billion to the WHO to do more of the failed policies that they did over the last three to four years? And that's just track one. We have three other tracks to talk about. So the WHO's budget is $3.8 billion, but uh, they want $30 billion so that they can turn your life into a living hell, guys. And they have sleepy, creepy Joe, Robinette Biden, 
on their side, in their pocket, and I mean that quite literally. The United Nations and the World Health Organization is an alliance of evil. Remember, guys, that uh, Rockefeller donated the land in New York City upon which the UN headquarters sits. So the two are very much entwined, intertwined, and sleepy, creepy Joe Biden and his skull and bonesman John Kerry are all on board. James, I'm sure you've heard the uh, clip from John Kerry, lamenting the fact that uh, agriculture, he says, is the number one issue regarding climate change. 33 to 34 percent of emissions, he says, are due to agriculture. So we really need to stop growing food to what? Save humanity or save the planet? I'm not sure. It gets a little fuzzy when they want to innovate population to zero. Well, you know, the emissions to be concerned about are the words that come out of these people's mouths. And, you know, the contagion are the lies and the misinformation that they put out as, you know, purported facts. So, you know, moving on to track number two, track number two is both old and coming in the future. So the deadline for track one is September 20th, but track two actually already happened back on May 27th, 2022. Now you and I have talked about this many times and, and still people for whatever reason are having a cognitive dissonance problem with reality. And to explain what I mean, last year on May 27th, 2022, the World Health Assembly, which is 194 nations, they all get together, they meet once a year in May, they did adopt amendments to the international health regulations. Now, the initial batch that the Biden administration had proposed, those were kicked to the curb, completely rejected, not even discussed. But what happened is in the middle of the assembly, the United States, the United Kingdom, the European Union, Japan, Australia, Monaco, Bosnia, and a handful of other nations submitted a new version of amendments that were adopted. And again, did you get the memo? Did anybody talk about it? Have you seen it on the mainstream media? Have you seen it be discussed in Congress or the Senate or Parliament anywhere on the planet? Have you heard a single politician say a single word about, hey, wait a minute, these unelected, unaccountable, unknown delegates changed international law last year and nobody's talking about it. And there's an 18-month period similar to the silence procedure where each nation has the opportunity to just write a letter to the WHO, a notice, an official notice, and say, well, you know these amendments that you guys adopted last year? Well, thank you very much, but no thank you. For our country, we reject those amendments under Article 61 of the International Health Regulations. Nobody's even talking about that. Now, here's where the cognitive dissonance comes in. Most people want to believe that when delegates go to the World Health Assembly every May and they make a decision on something like amending the international health regulations, people want to believe that those amendments are going to come back and be considered by the Congress or the Senate, they would give their advice and consent, or the president would sign off on it. Well, I agree that that's how it should be, but that is not how it works. You can believe that it should be that way, and I'll share that belief with you, but it isn't coming back to the Senate. It hasn't come back to the Senate for 14 months. 
the deadline is December 4th. We've got three months, a little bit more than three months. And then you've missed the opportunity to reject what they did in 2022. And, and so people want to believe something that is not in alignment with reality. And they have a cognitive dissonance to, to understand why this is important. And to explain why this is important, I'll move on to track number three. At the same time last year, not only did they adopt amendments to the international health regulations, they also started a process to create a working group for additional amendments to the international health regulations. So track number three, they've submitted, nations around the world have submitted 197 page document that has over 300 amendments to international health regulations that they have been absolutely silent about since they submitted them all the way back on September 30th. And we know what the original submissions were, but we don't know what the current version, you know, the the first draft, the second draft, you know, version 2.0, whatever you may be thinking, they have not said a word about the negotiations and how the original proposals may have been changed or altered. Now, the deadline for that is officially mid-January, but they have to submit it really before Christmas in order for it to be reviewed by the International Health Regulations Review Committee, who report only directly to the Director General, Tedros Ghebreyesus. He put together a group of 20 experts, and they have to have a month or so to look at it before it's submitted in mid-January, because the rules are that amendments to the international health regulations have to be submitted four months before the next meeting in May. So by mid-December, it's over. It's done. If there is not a discussion or a debate or, or public outcry about what in the world is even in these amendments, we don't know. We know what they gave us back in originally in September, and then they made it public in December of 2022. But my concern is that some of the more egregious, ridiculous amendments are, are maybe acting as a decoy. They, they had some absolutely outrageous proposed amendments. I'll go through just a couple of them. They wanted to change recommendations to obligations. They want to cross out the phrase not um, non-binding. And, and make a recommendation be a mandate, be an obligation, be something that shall be implemented as soon as possible. A lot of people have you know, talked about that. And even the independent review committee said, well, now, wait a minute, that would change everything. They want to change the scope of the regulations so that it's not just if there's an emergency, but if they find something that even has the potential to be an emergency, which would mean that, you know, we would be in an emergency whenever they felt like there being an emergency, regardless of whether or not people were getting sick or dying. Well, let me just interject too, James, as you know, by the way, when you give the government the right to change or alter laws based on an emergency, then the criminal government will create emergencies in order to change the law. Okay. This is a rinse and repeat strategy. And uh, before you continue, can you just correct me if I'm wrong here? It's my understanding that these demon creatures want to make climate change part of the international health regulations, not just pandemics, guys, but climate change. If they say it gets too hot, well, the World Health Organization will tell us what to do. 
Um, we'll certainly talk about that in track number four. You're absolutely correct. And, and so many of the proposed amendments that were made public back in December, my concern is that those are acting as a decoy. Everybody's paying attention to certain aspects of it. But there's 200 pages worth of, you know, legal ease gobbledygook. And it as it is as boring and as sleep inducing as you could possibly imagine. And so my concern is that they've cleaned it up enough so that when they finally do present it, it's just going to put everybody to sleep. But what they really, really want is something that back in April they let out a little tiny notice and they said, oh, well, we're busy operationalizing one of these things that's being negotiated in these amendments. And that thing would be the Global Digital Health Certification Network, vaccine passport by any other name, but greatly expanded, not just a vaccine certificate. They also want a prophylaxis or a prevention certificate, which is not defined. So what in the world might that be? They want testing certificates, and we all should know by now that the quote-unquote tests were just a fraud to uh, ramp up the cases and fearmonger everybody. They also want a recovery certificate. Again, ill-defined. What in the world might that be? They want a passenger locator form and I'm sorry, a traveler locator form and a passenger health declaration they want all of this to be tied to a qr code that you know they would enable you to be tracked and traced and my concern you know i hold in my hand an old school vaccine passport it has a little form in there to be filled out this is part of annex six in the existing international health regulations and what they want more than anything is to take that and greatly expand it into a digital system so that you know each country could just make requirements which would essentially turn this into a digital prison planet. In addition to that, they want a lot of things involved that are also tied in and duplicated in what's track four. And so my concern with track three, which are all of these amendments, is that they're going to clean it up enough that when they propose it with very little time left on the clock, um, most everyone is going to fall asleep. And a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, you know, they took this out and they took that out. So maybe it's okay. Well, you better pay really close attention when they finally do present whatever it is they're going to um, propose, because once it goes into that process, it's over. If they adopt it, it is not coming back to the Senate for advice and consent. That is not how it works. And the proof of what I'm saying is they did adopt amendments last year. We've gone 14 months and on December 1st, time's up. And we're, we have not seen a peep out of anyone in Congress. It does not require a signature of the president. It is assumed that you accept it by your silence. And that is different than a treaty. We already gave up the authority when we adopted the uh, international health regulations in 1969, and they were amended in 2005. And the real truth of the matter goes all the way back to 1948, when we did not get involved 
with the WHO via a treaty. Okay, what happened was Congress passed a joint resolution. Truman signed it. That's called a congressional executive agreement. That is not a treaty. The Senate did not give its two-thirds consent. And what we did at that time is against you know, any constitutional, you know, righteous procedure, which would have required an amendment to the constitution, we adopted the WHO's constitution. I'm going to ask all of your, your listeners, has anybody here read the WHO constitution? I hope you've all read the U.S. constitution. If you read the U.S. constitution and you look for the word health, right, Ask yourself, is is control over your health one of the 18 enumerated powers in the United States Constitution? No, it isn't. Even Javier Becerra, in an interview about a month or so ago, he was asked, you know, what would you like the people of America to know about the Department of Health and Human Services? And the first words out of his mouth were, well, you know, the federal government does not have control over health. That's a state issue and for the people. And he said, well, you know, but we have a lot of money and we influence it, but we don't have authority. And so if the authority over health was never given from the states to the federal government in the U.S. Constitution, they do not have the right to give authority they don't have to the WHO. Right. That's why I've been supporting Andy Biggs's legislation, H.R. 79. At the moment, we have 50 members of Congress who have signed on as co-sponsors. It, it's a very simple law. You can go to exitthewho.com, get all of the details, exitthewho.com. Don't do a search for it. Search engines are not your friend. Just go there. I can summarize it in 30 seconds. It would give notice to the WHO that we're leaving, it would stop giving them money, and it would repeal the mistake that was made in 1948. It would repeal the original legislation that got us involved in the first place and get us out of the WHO. So all of these amendments and all of these international health regulations simply don't apply to us because we're no longer a member. You guys can have all the rules you want. You can give all the control you want to whomever you want to give it to. We're out of here. Okay, so now that brings me to um, track number four, which has started at a time back in 2021 when people still believed that the jabs were, you know, going to bring us all back to normal, right? So long as everybody got jabbed, everything would be okay. And so what happened in 2021? that many of the relatively poor nations are not happy about still to this day because they haven't awakened to the fact that the jabs were not all that. They are still arguing what is effectively a trade dispute. It's not about health. It really shouldn't be in the hands of the World Health Organization. It's beyond their purview. They're way out of their league. What is going on is an argument that when these amazing and wonderful warp speed mRNA jabs became available, all of the wealthy nations bought up 10 times what they needed. And so the poor nations were looking at that at the time, still of the mindset, oh, you know, these are life-saving things, we need to have them. So they called for a special session of the World Health Assembly 
to say, hey, look, this isn't fair. These, these, you know, material, these pandemic response products are not being shared equitably. And so what they're currently negotiating is, is not about your health. It's not about sovereignty. It's not about putting the director general in charge of medicine or lockdown. It's got nothing to do with that. If, if you hear things about the treaty, please do yourself the favor and actually read the document that was published on June 2nd of 2023. It's called the Bureau's Text of the WHO CA+. It's not a treaty. It is a framework convention. Sean, ask me, what's the difference between a treaty and a framework convention? Oh, great. I'll be happy to tell you. A framework convention is as evil as you could possibly imagine. Yes, you agree to whatever might be in the document, but more importantly, in chapter three, you agree to set up a conference of the parties. That's a, a cabal of oligarchs who would be chosen by not you, and it would include delegates from the nations. It would include members of the corporations that manufacture the pandemic response products. It would include representatives from United Nations agencies that donate tons of money. It would include whatever other group was accepted by the people that I just mentioned into a conference of the parties who would then have the authority to detail all of the protocols going forward in the future that meet you know yearly or how often they want to set all of the details to spend all of the 30 billion dollars that they're looking to get as a result of this framework convention agreement well here's where it all ties in if you go back to 1992 all of the nations agreed to a framework convention for climate change. We put other people in charge of working out the details and look where that has gotten us. They want all of the nations to sign on to an agreement that would spend $30 billion to build out a laboratory network and a system of testing where they could um, use their One Health approach to be sticking swabs everywhere you can imagine, looking for pathogens up your nose in other orifices. When you go to your veterinarian, they would be checking your dog, your cat, their stool sample, your chicken coop, your pigsty, your, your neighborhood you know, farmer, um, your septic system, your sewage treatment plant, your local hospital, because that's where some of the very, very best pathogens are, so that they could then say, oh, we found some polio in your poop, or we found some bird flu in your chicken coop, or we found some canine coronavirus in your dog's poop, or, you know, in the local bat cave, we found, you know, some more um, dangerous pathogens. Be afraid, be very afraid. And what they're currently arguing about is something called PABS, P-A-B-S, the Pathogen Access and Benefit Sharing System. Now, this goes all the way back uh, to the 90s as well with the Convention for um, Biodiversity. And, and so they want to believe that finding these pathogens is, is a, uh, a, a good, it's an intellectual property 
that if they give access to other nations to the genetic sequence or the actual pathogen, um, that they they deserve a benefit, whether it's in the form of drugs or jabs or money. What they're currently discussing, what they're currently arguing about is being very well hidden because a lot of the relatively poor nations back on April 22nd submitted all of the text that they wanted to have be incorporated into the document that they're negotiating. But lo and behold, even though the WHO says that this is a member nation led process, the the submissions from the member nations have been hidden in what's called a 208 page compilation text. It's super secret. If anybody has access to it, Give me a phone call. My phone number is 310-619-3055. Anybody's free to call me at any time. They are hiding the the information that the nations have submitted. The bureaucracy, the bureau, the WHO, the intergovernmental negotiating body have cherry-picked what they wanted out of this 208-page document winnowed it down into the 43-page Bureau's text, and that's what they're trying to sell to the world. And so I'm happy that there's a nice little conflict going on in these negotiations, but they're keeping it completely secret, and even the part that they're sharing, people are missing, right? Read Chapter 3. Chapter 3 of the Bureau's text tells you everything you need to know. They want to set up a totally new bureaucracy that would be able to make all of the detailed protocols later in the future, and we would have nothing to say about it. That's the danger of a framework convention. And, you know, stand up and simply say, no, we will not allow a group of oligarchs who are donating money into the system be in control of that money. The conflicts of interest are baked right into the document. The answer is really simple. No, we will not join that treaty. We will not accept amendments to the international health regulations. We want out of this abusive relationship. Now is the time to leave the WHO. You know, you hit the nail on the head. It is a very abusive relationship, similar to the one we find ourselves in with the uh, U.S. criminal government. And I just want to remind people who some of these players are. Have you guys seen this ICC complaint against Tedros? Well, Tedros was the Ethiopian foreign minister. And under his iron-fisted rule, it said that human rights groups report that the Ethiopian government systematically engaged in widespread ethnic or politically based human rights violations during his period, including murder, torture, kidnapping, enforced disappearances, unlawful imprisonment, and other inhumane acts. Well, what does that remind you of, friends? To me, it reminds me of Joseph Robinette Biden's administration and the uh, poor souls still rotting in D.C. gulags because insurrection, because Jan 6th, because of all the nonsense from the mockingbird horror mainstream media. And I want people to understand how dire our situation is if what James just described is allowed to come to pass. Because what is Sleepy Creepy Joe and his criminal cultural Marxist revolutionaries uh, administration, what are they already doing? Well, they're coming after your light bulbs. They want to come after your gas powered generators. They don't want you using natural gas at all. They don't even want you owning a single family home. Listen to this. 
While the supply chain crisis, COVID regulations, and inflation are grabbing headlines, Joe Biden's policies regarding energy and a sneak and sneakily affecting every room in your house. Donna, what's happening here? Well, basically, this administration has actually weaponized the Department of Energy against the American consumer. That what they're doing is trying to regulate every every a room in your house in order to promote their Green New Deal initiative. So they're actually taking away consumer choices. We have now new regulations on shower heads, on dishwashers, washing machines and dryers, furnaces, uh, air conditioning, and they're even targeting light bulbs. Now they're going to make these extinct so you won't even have that choice. You won't even have that choice, guys. So they call this thing we live in in a democracy. I mean, this is what we hear time and time again from the mainstream horror media. So democracy, democracy. It's not a democracy. That's two wolves and a sheep voting over what's for dinner. And we can't allow this, James. Now, just think if Sleepy Creepy Joe can come after the light bulbs and all the other stuff he's coming after in the name of UN Agenda 2030, paint a picture for us of what might come next if the World Health Organization isn't stopped and they say, oh, climate change, climate change, what might happen? Well, you know, it's exactly the idea of adopting or allowing uh, nations to agree to a framework convention, right? The analogy I've been giving is, you know, if it was December and it was getting to be Christmas time and I came over to your house and I said, hey, you know, I've got this Christmas tree. Let me set it up in your house and I'll decorate it for you. Sounds like a good idea until you realize that maybe the way I would decorate that framework convention with rules and protocols is different than you had in mind when you agreed to let me be in charge of doing that. Maybe the way I would decorate a Christmas tree would not fit with your sensibilities. And and so by allowing our nations to adopt and, and sign on to the framework convention for climate change, you can see just how bad it might be if we are again tricked into adopting a framework convention for pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Putting other people in charge of your life without any accountability back to the people, that is not democracy. I know we live in a republic, but even if you're arguing for democracy, voting to hand over authority to someone else who is then not accountable that's tyranny so don't vote for tyranny by being silent back in 1948 what happened and this is the source of the trouble congress gave authority over to the executive branch and so the um, people who are appointed as delegates to the who are not accountable to the people. They're not accountable to Congress. They're Joe's they're not puppets. Accountable to, they're Joe's puppets. And we don't we don't have those strings. We don't have access to those strings. So, you know, someone's pulling their strings, someone's pulling the strings of the person who are manipulating them. And clearly what what everyone should be learning by what happened last year, the um, delegates adopted amendments to the international health regulations regulations. And they're not even bothering to bring that back to Congress, bring that back to the Senate for their advice and consent, 
Congress has been silent because it was Congress back in 1948 that gave up our sovereignty then. We don't have to worry about losing our sovereignty now. We gave it up freely back in 1948 in 1969 and 2005, when the international health regulations were in, you know, adopted and then amended, the problem is that we were not paying attention and our forefathers back in 1948 either were not paying attention or, or did that you know, maliciously. The point is the way we get that back is to cancel our acceptance of the WHO's constitution. Our federal government never had authority over health. Never. It's not in the Constitution. You're not going to find it anywhere. They do not have authority, and so they did not have authority to give. That agreement, honestly, is null and void, but we can make it clearly null and void by supporting Andy Biggs's H.R. 79, which would revoke or repeal that legislation, tell the WHO we're leaving, and and be done with this abusive relationship before it gets even worse. Okay, so let's just review here. The three ways we stop this, I think there might be three ways. We'll get James' take on this. Uh, but uh, Andy Biggs, HR 79 is number one. Support HR 79 to exit the WHO. That's exitthewho.com. The other way to stop this, in my view, might be, James, and I want to ask you this, nullify. I mean, look what DeSantis has said regarding central bank digital currencies in Florida. They'll be dead on arrival. Hell no. Just say no. Or number three, we topple the dictator in chief, Sleepy Joe, with another Trump red wave, an actual election where he actually gets the votes that uh, he received and they're uh, rightfully counted. And Trump gets back in and then he nullifies all this anyway with a swipe of a pen. Uh, Are those the three ways we stop this? Um, The main way... Yes, yes, and yes. Okay, but the main way is for each individual person, each individual human being here in the United States and around the world to take back your authority and stop your silence. Everyone has, as far as I know, everybody's got one of these, right? A cell phone of some kind, or or you have a computer where you could record yourself. Go to stoptheglobalagenda.com. Read the documents, understand what is going on here, and speak your minds, give your opinion, record whatever it is you want to say. There's a letter that you can download on stoptheglobalagenda.com, but more importantly, when you send that letter in, if you email something to your members of Congress, email your video to them, speak directly to them. They are your public servants, and they are going to do what somebody else directs them to do unless you stand up and realize that they work for you. They're your public servant. You pay their salaries. If you don't tell them exactly what it is you want, whether it is this, that, or the other party, this, that, or the other politician, if you don't say very clearly what it is you want, then your silence is equal to your consent. So I want to live in a world we're, we're free to travel and do and live our life without somebody saying, I've got to poke a hole in my skin or swallow some poison. That is not acceptable to me. And if it's not acceptable to you, speak up and let it be known that you are not going to comply with any mandates, any requirements, any vaccine passports, any testing certificates, none of it. 
It starts with we, the people, taking back our power from the people that we put in a position. The purpose of government, if you all read your state constitutions, it says that we, the people, create government to serve us. And if we are not happy with that government, we have the right to dissolve it at any time. Now, unless you understand how this system is structured and how it's supposed to operate, you may live in fear, okay? And and when people are afraid of their government, that's tyranny. But when the government is rightfully afraid of peaceful people, that is what we need to have return us to the republic that you know our founders gave us. We've lost sight of it, but we can regain it at any time if we, the people, wake up and speak up. We do have tremendous power, too, guys. I know you all know that, especially given the Bud Light example. All right. They're never getting that brand back. They destroyed it because, you know, it was a fratty brand. And uh, that marketing chick had a mandate, she said. Well, guess what mandate she had? Her mandate, evidently, she believed was to destroy the company. And she did so very, very well. And it ain't coming back because we, the people, have the power. So, James, is Son, a... if, I, if I may, if I may interrupt you, if you scroll way down this page, way down this page, it's a very long page, a lot of information here. Use the slider bar and go halfway down. There um, are a number of representatives who are listed here, and they all have a, a green box next to them if they have already co-sponsored HR 79. And what I've had a lot of people do is if you want to take action, but you want to lead with love in your heart and, and do a good thing that will actually you know, empower people who've already done a good thing. Call up Thomas Massey from Kentucky. Call up Clay Higgins from Louisiana. Call up Jack Bergman from Michigan. You're going to get someone in their staff. Call up John Molnar. Um, Call up um, Lisa McCain. Call all of the people with a green box next to their name. You'll talk to one of their staff members and say, hey, um, I'm calling from wherever I'm calling from. I'm just calling to say thank you. You work for somebody who's in Congress and they're doing something that I agree with, something that I support. These are people who have co-sponsored exiting the WHO. Call them up and say, you know what? Thank you. Make their day. They probably get all kinds of complaints from all kinds of people. But then after you've started that conversation off on a good foot, say, well, you know what? Um, it would be really good if the congressperson could talk to the senator, both of them from your state, and say, why haven't why has not one senator in the entire Senate taken Andy Biggs's legislation and just copy and pasted it and submitted it as companion legislation in the Senate? Could we find one out of 100 senators who has the guts to copy and paste and submit? Is that so hard? Is there not one senator in this country? who can say the same thing that 50 members of Congress have had the guts to say that we want to be out of this organization. So yes, you can beat your head against a brick wall trying to convince your congressperson that they should sign on to this and by all means call them up and try to convince them. But there are 50 members of Congress who deserve a pat on the back. They deserve some praise. They deserve some support. And then you give them a kick in the pants and go, hey, how come I don't see you on TV talking about this? How come you're not working on the other Congress people in your state? How come you're not getting the senators in your state? So lead with love, but then let them know who who the boss really is, and that's you. 
they work for you. And so they're doing some good stuff, but they can do more. So be the wind beneath their wings, encourage them. You always want to work by identifying your allies and working with them. And so we do have a lot of allies in this fight. There are a lot of good people in this world. Um, get connected with them. Um, get connected to me. Give me a phone call, 310-619-3055. Let's get to work and make this world a, a better place. And it starts with exiting the WHO and stopping the global agenda because the power has to come back to we the people, not they, you know, the WHO or they, the UN or they, the WEF. Those people have no idea what it is required for individual people to maintain and optimize their health and regain it if they if they have some problems. Putting them in charge of your health is an enormous mistake. And, you know, I aim to work with anybody who is willing to work to stop this and um, return to the rightful um, place that we all are as the sovereign rulers of our own lives. I like the actionable information you've given us there, and it's very proactive. Just call these people, guys. They'd love to hear from you, especially when you're giving them positive feedback. So James makes a good point there. The websites I will leave below, exitthewho.com, stoptheglobalagenda.com, both of which will get you to James Rogowski's Substack with all the actionable information right there. James, you know, I appreciate you very much. I know you've dedicated yourself. You're kind of willing to die on this particular hill because. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not willing to die on this hill. That is a bad saying. This is the hill that the WHO will die on. Well, very good. And my point was going to be, if we don't stop them, they're going to kill us all. And I mean, that's not hyperbole at this point. United Nations Agenda 2030, innovating to zero. What did Bill Gates say in that TED talk? One of these (laughs) numbers needs to get to near zero. One of the numbers was population, and the audience laughed. Now we know Bill Gates for the eugenicist he is, who is, I think, really satanically sworn to defeat humanity. I think that that is what drives the man. That might be why Melinda finally divorced him, to be honest with you. Either that or the diddling kids on Epstein Island. Well, you know, um, we have the opportunity to craft a better world. And and so, you know, you can get into all kinds of theories, all kinds of ideas, but there's there's the action of pushing back against evil, but you have to be supportive of that which is good. And so what I want to do is work with good people to do good things in the future, build a life that I want to live in. I'm 63 years old, but I plan on living at least that long over again. And I am not going to live in the type of world that they are trying to create. We all need to come together to create the world that we want to live in. There's a good template, you know, from 200 and some years ago, but you know, that foundation has had a lot of crap piled on it. We've got to start removing some of the mistakes that we've allowed to happen over the course of our lives and, and previous generations and, and start forward looking into the future. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, But I'm saying that there are enough good people in the world that if we reconnect and work towards what it is we want in the future, um, this world will be a better place and they're going to lose. They know it. I think they're desperate, but it's not going to come without effort. So let's get to work and let's make this world a better place. Yeah, I think they're desperate to look no further than that uh, demon creature, Jack Smith, and all the nefarious stuff he's done to uh, indict. The real president and uh, cover the crimes, cover up for the crimes of sleepy, creepy Joe Biden and his entire 
crime family, including his crack-addicted son, Hunter. James, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I'll remind folks, the websites are below, stoptheglobalagenda.com, exitthewho.com. Our guest has been James Rogowski. Thank you, James. We appreciate you, man. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll remind you every single day for free. You can visit us for free at sgtreport.com. That is the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of those mockingbird, mainstream media, World Health Organization, United Nations lies. God bless you and yours, friends. Bye-bye. This company in Israel then laundered the data, erased all the adverse reactions that the test victims were experiencing, and sent a fake report back to the DOD and FDA to make it look like clinical trials were safe and effective. This laundered fake report is what they used to get the emergency use authorization needed to inject the rest of the U.S. population with this bioweapon.